Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. On this show, every week we discuss a movie, and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All of the movies are available from major streaming services so that you can participate with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined tonight by Alicia Walker. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hello. Josh Dean. Hi there. And Nathan McKinney. Hello. And today's movie is Nathan's suggestion. It is Mr. Roberts, um, an old film from the 50s. But uh, before we get into that, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Christine, what have you been watching lately? This past week, I started watching Z, The Beginning of Everything, uh, an older-ish 2017 TV, uh, Amazon Prime show about Zelda Fitzgerald starring Christina Ricci, uh, and it's very interesting. I've always been kind of fascinated by Zelda Fitzgerald, so it's kind of nice to see something where she is the main point of the show and not like a background character to her husband. I've always been just fascinated about her and her life before she met Scott and stuff like that, so this delves into that did they do more than one season of that i don't think so i think it was only the one season i kind of remember it coming out and then i don't know i think maybe brooke watched it somebody told me about it and you know was happy enough with it um but i'd never i'd never really gone and checked it out for myself so recommend it Right on. Uh, Alicia, how about you? I've been watching the new um, HBO limited series, Mayor of Easttown, and I've been really enjoying that. Um, that stars Kate Winslet in the lead role. Um, small Pennsylvania town, murder happens, all kinds of interesting characters living in the town, and you're figuring out their relationships with each other, and kind of what's happening under the surface a little bit, but it's kind of more of a, a character study. Jean Smart is also in it, and she's really great, and I'm kind of mm. happy about her having a bit of a renaissance right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to not watch it and say, oh, that's Kate Winslet playing a character from Pennsylvania because it's Kate Winslet, and you don't, you know, even though she's doing this this Pennsylvania accent, it's you know you you keep saying, oh, it's her doing an accent, fun, but um, but really it is well done, and she's doing a really great job, I think, with it and really embodying the character and. Um, yeah, I think it, it's it's really good. It, they've had now. I think they just dropped episode five, which I haven't watched yet. But um, I'm really enjoying um, getting to the end of the episode and wanting to start the next one and realizing, oh, I can't. I have to wait a week. So, you know, mm. usually when I have that anticipation, that means it's it's been a pretty good show. So it's uh, a, a limited series, you said. That's my understanding. Okay, and and the it's a murder mystery. Yeah, she plays a um, a police officer in this small town where everyone knows everybody. And as the, the story goes on, you find out more about her own family issues, the family dynamic and and problems. Her her son committed suicide. He was he he uh, fought a lot of mental illness, and she's kind of trying to take care of then her grandson from him. Um, and then you've got these other families that. 
that she knows and and the girl of of a family that's close to her gets murdered so she's investigating that and then you're finding out it might be tied to some other things happening and different you know people that are emerging as shady characters who you didn't think they were at the beginning so it's good right on that sounds fun uh josh how about you uh well mine is gonna be a kind of a I don't know if I can recommend it to everybody in the audience, but uh, it's one of the filthiest and funniest things I've seen in a long time. It's called Seven Days in Hell. Um, it was an HBO uh, okay. yeah, mockumentary. Um, Andy Samberg and Kit Harington star in it uh, as two tennis pros who cannot beat each other at Wimbledon. Um, they just play for seven days straight because <laughs> nobody can uh, top the other one. Um, but it's got a great cast like Will Forte, Fred Armisen, uh, Howie Mandel, for some reason, David Copperfield, the magician is in it. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just, it. there's going to be some penises in it just as a heads up to people. Um, <laughs> it, it has a warning for strong sexual content. And I was like, oh, we're going to see some dong. And sure enough, you, you see some dong. Um, <laughs> Wang doodles. Some yep. wang doodles, yep, all <laughs> over the place. Uh, but anyway, I, I found it hilarious. Uh, your mileage may vary, but um, there's still a computer-simulated male all-male orgy that makes me laugh in my <laughs> head uh, every time I picture it. So, yeah. That's uh, funny. Watch so, at your own risk. It's a, it's a movie? And where did you say you watched it? Uh, HBO. It's uh, it's 50 okay. minutes long, so it doesn't... It says it's a film, oh, all right. but... Yeah, it's like a glorified TV show. Gotcha. But that's good. They maybe that means they knew when to quit, so that's good. Exactly. Yes, and there's a funny follow up too, but I'll talk about that one some other time. Okay, right on. Well, um, I ended up watching a movie that was recommended um, probably close to a year ago now um, that I just never got around to. It's a movie that actually came out in 2020. And so it just kind of came and went and nobody really knew about it. Like if it wasn't, you know, released straight to video, people didn't really seem to care about movies. You know, um, there was Tenant, and there was Wonder Woman and there was the Tiger King and everybody saw the Tiger King. And beyond that, like, you know, your guess is as good as mine as to what people are actually watching. But, uh, it's called uh, The Kid Detective, and the premise is that there was a kid detective similar to something like Encyclopedia Brown who solved all the little mysteries from his treehouse detective agency uh, for 50 cents each. And, you know, he'd been this, like, child prodigy, figured everything out, except in the movie he's 32, and he's never really graduated beyond being a kid detective. So he's still doing these little rinky dink, uh, investigations for people helping find cats and, um, figuring out whether some boy at school who's bragging about playing with the Mets actually did or not. Um, that sort of thing. Um, but then the movie is based around him actually getting, um, hired to, solve a murder case. And so it has a very, uh, it's tonally similar to something like Veronica Mars. Um, but it's also specifically a 
noir style comedy. And so it's people delivering hilarious dialogue with dead serious tone all the time. Um, and it rewards you for paying attention to little things. There's little like things that he says that like pop up again and again throughout the movie. If you're, if you're paying attention and looking for them. So um, it's a comedy comedies are, you know, it's always, um, it, it, it's always difficult to say what one person's going to find funny and what another person's going to find funny. But I think if you're in the mood for um, just a, a weird, <laughs> a weird take on, the child detective story um, told through this really slanted, weird, uh, dark comedy vibe, uh, then you'll, you'll dig it. So um, it's still, uh, it's still in sort of the, the rental phase or the early phases of being available on VOD. So um, you will have to spend a little bit of money on it. Although um, I think I actually watched it on Amazon with a stars trial and got it that way. So I, I didn't spend anything on it and I will probably not keep stars for longer than seven days. So it's very rarely if there's something on there that I want to watch, but, uh, but yeah. Dale, did you see mystery team? No. Okay. It's a very similar premise and I just wondered how it compared, but that's Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, and the, the people that recommended it to me had seen that one too. It's a completely different tone. Okay. Um, Mystery Team's very much like got kind of a Scooby-Doo cartoony theme to it. Right. And the kid detective is a very serious noir type delivery. Um, It's not over the top, campy, funny like that. Is anyone starring in the kid detective that we would know? Um, I believe the lead guy's name is Matt Brody. Um, that that's the only name I can remember. But uh, it it was uh, maybe it's Adam Brody. Adam Adam Brody. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it it was a Canadian film. Um, so I didn't really recognize anybody uh, in it in it from the cast or anything like that. And you know because he's dealing with kids for the most part. Like, I don't know any of the, like, child actors that are in it, um, you know, or the teenage actors that are in it, um, because it, uh, at some point it, it tells you that it was filmed in, like, northern Ontario, so, um, you know, but it, it looks great, and it, uh, it doesn't feel like a little indie movie, which I'm sure it is, so uh, I, I enjoyed it. Nathan, how about you? Uh, so I got to dig back into a set that came to us. Um, we used to subscribe to something called box Walla film. And so they would send you a, a criterion movie or two every month or every couple of months. And one of the ones they sent me was uh, a set called, uh, about Pierre Ate, which is a, a French director who he's kind of well known primarily because he's. He's from the 60s and 70s doing what he's doing, but he's obviously very steeped in um, silent film era style. Um, Most of his films, while they have sound, they definitely have 
kind of a there's a similar visual gag thing that's kind of going on with the silent film era. Um, lots of just like I I don't know just visual gags you would expect from the silent film era. They're just all the way through it up up, up to and including some of the you know the acrobatic type stuff and the the dancing type stuff to kind of like create illusions that sort of thing. Um, so I dug in again because I had watched most of the second disc when I got it. I don't know why I jumped into the second disc, but I did. Uh, and so I picked it back up and I watched one called Yo Yo, um, which was fantastic. Um, and it's basically a black and white film that starts out like a silent film because that's how films were when the story starts out. But then as it progresses through time, uh, it goes through the thirties, goes through the war, goes into the the fifties and or the forties anyways. Um, and it progresses its style as it goes based on what the movies were doing at that time. And so it's pretty neat. Um, so it's, it's kind of a kid friendly uh, pick. I, I don't know if kids would have the attention span, but I was laughing pretty hard. I mean, it's basically Looney Tunes type humor, a lot of it. And mm. I think a kid would enjoy the heck out of it, honestly. So, um, Is it in French? Yeah, it is in French. There's a little bit of English spoken here and there, but it's all subtitled. Um, but like I said, I mean, the whole first chunk of it, there's literally the the black screen that comes up with the dialogue and then goes away for just a second when you need to hear what they're actually saying. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but it's, it was highly entertaining. Really liked it. Okay. Yeah. So kids that are can't read. Like yeah. Second, it would be hard for kids grade, that can't read. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, cool. Um, so the movie this week, uh, is Mr. Roberts. Uh, Nathan suggested it. Um, has anyone seen it before? No. Okay, just Alicia and Nathan had seen it before. Um, Christine, what did you think of Mr. Roberts? I enjoyed watching it. Actually, I had been talking to my mom about the podcast, and when I mentioned that this was the movie that we were going to be watching, she was like, oh, I've always wanted to see that movie. Can I watch Mm. it with you? And I was like, sure, let's watch it together. That's great. Yeah, so I watched the movie with my mom, and actually both my brothers were there too. Uh, So we watched it all together, and my mom wanted to make sure that she was watching it with a critical eye (laughs) and giving me her notes as we watched. Um, So you have have four reviews for us? uh, No, I only have two. (laughs) The others weren't being as diligent. Paying attention? Okay. And also, my nephew Gabe was there uh, being four and saying that he wanted to watch a different movie uh, because that was not the movie he picked. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, you did get that criticism from him that it was not the movie he picked. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's his fault for not being on the podcast. I, he I know. You should have Gabe pick the next movie, obviously. Um <laughs> But uh, we enjoyed watching the movie. My mom is a big Henry Fonda fan. uh, And she thought he did a very great job, as did I. Um, And I did uh, see that he had played the role on Broadway as well. And so he really knew the character very well coming into Mr. Roberts. Um, So he had that added bonus of just being able to embody the character so well. then 
My mom wanted to make the special note that she thought that the scenes were a bit uh, jumpy, uh, that it didn't feel like they got a lot of closure between each scene, she felt. Oh, I see. Uh, Editing-wise. Um, yeah, they didn't have a like a yeah. button at the end of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she especially wanted me to make sure that I said that. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> she even called me today to make sure that that was going to be in the podcast. <laughs> yes. So. Hi, <laughs> Aunt um, Jerry. We, we, we talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to mom. Um, but I also really liked uh, the sound editing when uh, they were watching the nurses on the island and uh, you get that special whistle effect that obviously none of the guys were whistling, but you get that special whistle effect from the sound editing. I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, mm-hmm. Just little things that they did here and there. And I thought it was enjoyable, especially as a movie to watch with my family. Right on. Josh, how about you? Yeah, so um, first off, the... Uh the PA announcements, that's MASH, right? Like, yes. MASH totally ripped that off, right? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that was the first thing I noticed right off the bat. Uh, yeah, we were talking about that, too. I was like, it's like I'm watching MASH. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, movies based on plays uh, are always a dicey proposition for me, um, just in terms of, and that might e- explain some of the jumpiness, too, that uh, Christine was talking about. Um, the just... Yeah, the scenes just kind of peter out sometimes. Um, like they, but you know, like you'd have to do in a play where you can't just, uh, yeah, end everything perfectly. Um, Cagney dialed up to 11 all the way through this movie, uh, was delightful. Um, and, uh, Henry Fonda always, you know, a great actor. Um, uh, uh, P- uh, not Pacino, Jesus, uh, Jack Lemmon. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. My head, it, my head is in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross right now. I'm so sorry, but yeah, <laughs> exact same guy, yeah, exact same guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Lemon. Um, I was looking. At, you know, I I loved his performance in this. I still, it's it wouldn't be my favorite probably. Um, just like I think the apartment is probably still a little bit better than this, and uh, and of course Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, I like a little bit more. But uh, Pulver was just a that's that's the role you want to have, I think, when you take the movie, Um, when you look at the script. He seemed like he got the most fun and he got to do the one emotional payoff of the whole thing, um, which he handled perfectly. Um, Yeah. So overall, a fun movie, a little bit on the longish side for what it was. But um, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Jack Lemmon won an Oscar for his role. Oh, there we go. Movie. Nice. So, um, believe it was his first like major role, and uh, and yeah, he got worst best supporting actor. Um, that makes sense for this performance. Um, so yeah, um, switching to myself, um, I didn't care for this movie. Um, I found it to be. Uh, very long winded and slow. Um, I thought the performances were fine for what the material was, but the material didn't really jump out and speak to me so much. 
Um, it suffers a little bit from being of its time. Uh, you know, in my opinion, it's very much, uh, uh, more poignant, um, you know, within 10 years of world war two, um, than something else. There's very little, if any action in the movie, it's just a lot of conversation scenes, um, to the point that, you know, Jack Lemon sets off a giant bomb and the only thing that we see about of that is like suds like floating around in the hallways of the ship like in the in, down in the whatever the the hold or whatever uh, that's happening um i thought like there was at least going to be some kind of a plot that went somewhere with the uh the nurses like they make a big deal out of seeing them and then they bring them on board the ship and then nothing happens and then they go to the island and they have shore leave and they don't show any of that they just come right back to the ship and deal with the aftermath of it um when i was watching it i felt like uh i felt like okay now, now we've transitioned from act one to act two. And I looked at how long the movie had been on and it was at the hour mark. So it really takes, takes a while to get going. Um, and then what ends up happening, I guess to me, like it's a story that can be told much quicker than it's told. And the details didn't really stick to me or matter to me too much. Um, it's not something I'm going to be thinking about for a long time afterward, um, or anything like that. So, um, I, I, I would put it in the, in the not for me column, but, uh, Alicia, what did you think seeing it again? Well, I've seen this movie a lot. This is one that uh, was one of my mom's favorites. So growing up, I saw it a lot. Pretty much anything Jack Lemmon or Cary Grant or something like that was pretty much required viewing at our house. So um, so I'd seen it quite a few times. I, I totally agree with the fact that it is of its time. I mean, it is very much a, a, a movie from then. And I can totally see how a lot of people might uh, lose their interest in, in some of that. And, and just, you know, it, it takes a while to get going. As Josh said, you can tell it's, it's been a stage play that they've turned into a movie. It's not like something like, you know, from this year, the father, which was really flawlessly, I thought made into a movie for what it, it started out as, as a play. Um, so it's got those things going, uh, for it that I think would make a lot of people lose some interest, but I think it's got some really great, um, shiny parts and I really enjoy those shiny parts and and Nathan and I were talking about some of why maybe I appreciate some of those stellar parts what I think are stellar parts of it so much more today is because of the repetition of seeing it so many times so mm. I mean there's been a lot of movies uh, in particular sometimes I think comedies for me where I would see them the first time and maybe I saw them by myself maybe I saw them in a certain mood or something and I was like eh, I didn't think really it was that funny I didn't really laugh out loud I didn't think it was really that well done and then the more I would see it the more I would realize really how funny something was the more and more I saw it and I, I mean, this is definitely in the zany category. I mean, this is trying to be, 
you know, like maybe Mad Mad World in some spots, you know, kind of this really almost corny over the top things in some spots. I mean, for me, one of the best parts of the movie is when everybody comes back for shore leave. And for me, I think what was great is that we don't see them doing the things on shore leave. We just hear the account of what happened on shore leave from all these various people that are dragging them back to the ship and the MPs and, you know, slow, you know, people being pulled up in the cargo net, you know, to be put back on the ship and what they're wearing and what they're carrying and what they're saying and more and more, you know, cars coming in, big treks with, with these guys that have just gone nuts. You know, that part, again, it's very of its time. You probably wouldn't see that so much on a movie today. But at the same time, that's what was happening to a degree. Not, not that everybody's going off the ship and doing crazy things during World War II. But, you know, that kind of mentality of things with the ner- looking in the, you know, binoculars at the nurses and stuff like that. I agree. They kind of drop that whole subplot with the nurses. It's like, and done. Um, I, there's another movie that's it's kind of like this uh, Cary Grant movie and Tony Curtis, Operation Petticoat also hijinks in a submarine in world war ii get ready uh and there's nurses involved in that and oh my god they're undergarments so like there's a whole thing i think and that was really kind of a funny thing people did at the time but i think you know the ensign pulver stuff is always great the the overacting he does is great in this you know which he of course brings so much of that with a lot of his other roles he does later which i love um i love one of my favorite scenes over the years is just them figuring out how to mix something that tastes like scotch. Like, I just love the scene of what scotch tastes like to you. And I'm a little drop of iodine, a little bit of hair tonic, a little bit of Coke mm-hmm. for color, you know, like just that I love. And I love, I love William Powell and, and the fact that he's, you know, playing doc in basically his last role. And, and a lot of these people, they're very theatrical in their acting. I felt like it's very over the top. Gee, Mr. Roberts, Gee, you know, like this, but William Powell is always cool, collected. He is the thin man and he's just there with his drink and he's just commenting on what's happening around him and making little sly remarks that just kind of slide past you. And I just like watching him. I mean, I know yeah. how much he's struggled in this role, but but I really like watching him as kind of this little smooth guy who's the veteran who kind of knows everything that's going on. I don't know. I think there's a lot of great parts of this movie. I can understand, uh, you know, that it, it doesn't age as well, especially, but I think there's some some really fun things that make it a movie that I remember those certain parts and I look when I have a chance to see it again or decide to see it again, I like to watch those. Yeah, the uh, the dot come on the double scene yeah. was probably what I thought was the funniest, where he's just slowly walking, has a cigarette, mm-hmm. you know, the guys with stretchers are behind him and he's like, All right, here I come. Yep. I'm coming. No rush. Uh huh. But uh, you mentioned Cary Grant, and we were talking about you know play plays adapted into zany comedy movies. Um, That immediately makes me think of Arsenic and Old Lace, right? Which is, you know, in my opinion, like a classic, an amazing movie, um, and a tremendously funny movie uh, that you know that is of its time, but it's still, it's still effective. It still works, um, for, for new audiences to see it and all that. So, um, it's tradition, Nathan. Uh, what the hell, man? Why did we watch Mr. Roberts? Well, the specific reason we watched Mr. Roberts, uh, was because last week when we had a little technical difficulty, 
uh, we got to talking about our favorite Jack Lemmon movies. Uh, and I think it was because Alicia had mentioned a prisoner on second Avenue is one of her lead in movies that she had watched for the week. And I did a show of hands, like what's your everybody's favorite Jack Lemmon movie and half the cat people on the podcast. We had everybody here that week. Nobody had watched any Jack Lemmon movies. They didn't even know any. I was like, well, shit, I'm going to pick one. And I mean, I had another movie picked. And so this is now what we're watching. Uh, just like Alicia, this is one that my mom introduced to me and uh, I fell in love with it early on when I was much younger. Um, but it has only gotten better with time as I've seen it many, many times over the years. Um, to me, that's the true sign of a good comedy. Um, not that you love it the first time, but that you, every time you watch it, it does improve, improve, improve. I mean, there's been many, many Coen Brothers movies, quite frankly, that I didn't quite get the first time I saw them, but they're my favorites of all time now. So uh, I think that's just kind of how comedy rolls sometimes. Um, but I think what I liked about this one, um, aside from the cast and, and the comedy is really good, I think I enjoyed it because it was a war movie that didn't drag me through a war. Um, <laughs> Cause I, I wasn't yeah. really interested in war movies at the time. You know, he had all these John Wayne movies going on and TBS and everybody was watching those, but this one was one where I could actually get into it without having to know the history, without having to know much of anything. Um, yeah. And, and boredom is like a central theme, a central plot point of the movie is, is how bored these men are. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I, I, that's what I think makes it so great. I mean, and it's got tons of just like lot, little side characters and little tiny scenes that are just hilarious. I mean, there's a scene where one of the MPs from the army or whatever is bringing people back from the ship after the shore leave. And he's talking about, you know, well, he's just got a real Southern drawl on him. And he's, he's from like, Alabama. He's from Alabama. Well, you know what we call in Alabama? Yeah, we call it the same thing here. You know, yeah. You know, whatever. And he says something about, you know, uh, they were throwing things out the window. Bust a Balzac. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just some good little subtle things that don't maybe like hit you the first time. And you, after you've seen them a lot of times, they start kind of getting pretty good. Um, I think we said bust of Balzac the whole rest of the day. Like I mean, we yeah. just kept going around going the bust of Balzac. <laughs> bust of Balzac. Bust of Balzac. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I just love this movie. It's it's obviously an early role for Jack Lemmon. I think if I was to complain about anything on this movie, aside from, I agree, it does start a little slow. Like it takes, I, I think there's a couple of beats where it could have picked up a little bit, but I also think that that's part of the movie instilling the the boredom that they're actually experiencing. Yeah, you know? I didn't so, hold that against it. I just yeah. felt like it, but it, could it have been, takes, it could it have been takes its time. And I mean, you can, you can portray boredom in a number of ways without bringing the audience in. Yeah. through that with you, you know? <laughs> but getting back around to my actual complaint. Um, so I guess Henry Fonda made a big point of saying that he didn't think this stacked up compared to the Broadway play, which I don't doubt. That's usually how it goes. Um, but I think the reason it probably doesn't stack up is because I guess the dialogue was a lot spicier on the play. Hmm. And I, I think it would have been a lot more interesting to hear the spicy ass dialogue. Yeah. Um, so, so like the, the, Hayes code or whatever got in the way of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. With the dialogue. So there and were I was, a couple of times they just would trail off and you were like, Oh, right. There's where a dirty word should have been. Uh, <laughs> right. Probably. Yeah. 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 
yeah, maybe they actually tell you what it's called in Alabama. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure they did. I mean, this is we're talking about World War II sailors. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's a reason that that phrase "cursing like a sailor" exists. So right, yeah. So I I feel like that was pretty good. Uh, we did look up uh, like the trivia and that sort of thing on the DVD. There were a couple of things of note that I think were kind of interesting. If you go read the IMDb trivia about this, it actually tells you that. Well, first, the studios will tell you that John Ford had a gallbladder problem and he had to leave the, stu- the, the situation and let the other guy come in and direct. The IMDb will clarify that what actually happened was he was a raging alcoholic and had some issues and he had to get the fuck off the set. So they had he the and, other guy come uh, in and finish the scenes. In fact, he, well, he literally had, punched Henry Fonda in the mouth. <laughs> as, right. He and as, Henry Fonda actually fought over the direction of the movie. Um and Henry Fonda supposedly directed some of the scenes because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they brought Mervyn Leroy in to, to finish shooting. And so it's kind of a hodgepodge of who directed what scene. And um, that may also have contributed to uh, the, uh, the, the editing not quite being where it needed to be. Like they might not have had all the right stuff to put in, each scene that they were doing. So some of that might also have been William Powell because he was struggling with his lines. So we kind of thought maybe there were some extra cuts in there that maybe weren't necessarily intended. Just uh, cutting around him. Cause yeah, flubbing. forgetting his line. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting is they had an Ed Sullivan clip on the DVD and I didn't know this until I watched this clip that um, what they would do on his show sometimes was, instead of showing a clip like they would do in modern times, they would have the actors show up, dress in the character's outfits and put up a stage and actually perform two or three scenes on live television. They wouldn't cut it. They would just perform there. They were terrible, but it was still entertaining to see that that's what they did. And then when they had them come on stage later, they didn't say anything at all. They were just like, hey, thank you for doing this, leave. (laughs) So interesting. Yeah, the the change in celebrity culture, but uh, yeah, I um I I suppose that part of my problem was that it was talked up as a as a great Jack Lemon movie, and he's you know fourth build and not as not nearly as in the movie as like Henry Fonda or the others, so. In fact, that's kind of his character is that he never really leaves his bunk. He's just always in there. So they have scenes that just take place in his quarters so that he can be in the scene. Well, I think as, as little as maybe in some ways it seems like he's in the movie, I find him a little more memorable than James Cagney in the movie. Uh, I, I like James Cagney. I've seen a lot of James Cagney movies. He's, he's a, He's a stout man who's angry about his palm tree, and but I I remember Ensign Palmer a lot more, uh, Pulver a lot more, and also as Nathan can attest, I get that crazy little song that he is constantly singing in the movie stuck in my head, and I'm walking around going, "If I could be with you," and I'm just like walking around the house with that stupid song because he's constantly yeah. doing it, and all through the movie, I'm just thinking about him singing the song, skipping around, getting ready to see some chick or get his pol- pillows out on his bed or whatever he's doing, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and they said that uh, James Cagney was like really nice to Jack Lemmon in the making of the movie and that he let him just kind of go nuts and improvise and do whatever he wanted to do without sort of jumping on him or, or being like, you know, these aren't the lines or anything like that. It was more like, you know, no, this is this guy's job is to be funny. And sometimes you need to let him, let him ruin a few takes to get there. So. Well, they were supposedly friends all the way till, uh, Cagney died. So they, they hit it off. Yeah. As opposed to Jack Lemons, who is just an asshole. Lemons. <laughs> Jack Lemons. <laughs> Lemons is the worst. And that Jack Lemons. Yeah. Now, have you heard of Jack Limes? Because he <laughs> is unbelievable. He was a Jack hole. Depends <laughs> uh, on who you talk to. Yeah. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. <laughs> Jack Lemons was a handsome man, though. Definitely. I, yeah. I look a lot like mm-hmm. him. So. You do. <laughs> um, so, uh, Alicia, it is your turn to suggest the movie for us. What would you like for us to watch next? I thought that might be the case. I um, am going to suggest uh, a movie from a little bit later, about 10, 12 years later, called Playtime. Uh, it's from 1967, and it is um, a Jacques Tati movie. Uh, so it's French, but there's not a ton of speaking in it. So it's it's more about design and choreography. So playtime is my pick. All right. That sounds interesting. Well, thanks, everybody, for discussing Mr. Roberts. Thanks, everyone out there for listening. We will see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.